Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Mashonda Shines. Well, welcome everyone to Endurance Exchange 2022 presented by BOA Nutrition and the live recording of Try Beginner's Luck Special Edition State of the Sport with USA Triathlon CEO Rocky Harris. I am Mashonda Shines, your host, and I love to give you a brief introduction of who some may know and we're introducing to others. Rocky Harris, who was named Chief Executive Officer of USA Triathlon, the USA Olympic and Paralympic National Governing Body for the sport in August of 2017, and recently continued to carry out his mission until 2028. He led the creation of Time to Try, an industry-wide initiative launched by USA Triathlon and Ironman in January of 2018 to introduce over 100,000 new participants to the sport by the end of 2020. So listen, we've provided a detailed biography of Rocky in the video description right below the video. If you have questions for him, please use the question function on the right side of the screen and we'll answer questions at the end of this session. Before asking a question, take a look to see if your question has already been asked and then simply click the upvote so that we know which questions are most important to you. Well, Rocky, welcome back again to your second Thanks, time Amanda. being on Traffic in Luck. We're so excited to have you. I appreciate it. And thank you for, for joining me. They actually asked me who I'd prefer to, to interview me for this. And I mentioned you because I thought on your podcast, you made me feel very comfortable. And we, I thought we had a little bit of a bond there. So so you were selected uh, because of your, not only uh, I, I believe in your podcast, but also because I think you and I get along really well. We do. And thank you, because I'm so honored and just really grateful. But listen, we got people who want to know some information. They want to know what is the state of sports. So we want we don't want to leave them waiting too long because we do have some special things in store for them today. So, Rocky, you are voted on for eight more years. What? That's amazing. And congratulations. What does that really mean? And why is it so significant? Uh, yeah, and I think it just means that that I'm I'm here to stay to see the sport grow and thrive. You know, we really started seeing the sport uh, hit its stride in eight, 2018 and 19 and saw growth like we hadn't seen in about a decade. And, and then the pandemic hit and then my job completely changed. It turned into really trying to help, you know, coaches, race directors, clubs, uh, you know, stay in business, quite frankly, and help them get back to sports. So return to racing, return to training became our focus that year. And I said uh, quite a bit that I became essentially like a government, government affairs employee where I was like talking to mayors and um, city managers and writing letters to governors. And, and we really did work with our race directors in particular to get racing back. We, most of the, the first events that happened in cities across America um, were triathlons because of, of our push um, to create these guidelines and standards that allowed city managers to say, hey, that's outside. There's, you know, there is natural social distancing in many ways in the sport. And so we were able to get our sport back fairly quickly. And then in 2021, and we got back right into the business of growing the sport. And so we created a strategic plan through 2028. We were hosting the, the LA Olympics and Paralympics right here in America. And so I really wanted to make sure that we had a long-term vision that we could fulfill. Um, and our board of directors uh, decided to, to keep me around through uh, 2028 to help fulfill that vision. Their vision, our strategy is, is, a, is an organization, is a sport. I think that's incredible. And who better else to lead us than the rock of this organization, Rocky? So what about what is your strategic plan? Do you want to share a little bit of that strategic plan with us? Yeah, so fortunately, uh, we created a strategic plan uh, right about when I got here. And so what we had to do, we, we created it through 2020. And what we found in, in 2020 was that doing a three or four year plan just wasn't, wasn't long enough. So really the most significant changes outside of all of our strategic imperatives was we added diversity, equity, and inclusion and access as one of our core values as an organization and guiding principles. And so that was one of the significant changes, but really what it, uh, our focus is 
as an organization is to, to grow the sport and to, to serve the, our constituents and help them thrive and, and really optimize their business, optimize their performance. So that's our focus. And so if you look at our strategic plan, uh, we call it Elevate 2028 because we're gonna be working on uh, really uh, making sure we show improvements through 2028 across the board in our sport. Um, it's just a really exciting time for us to help do that. And really this is not a USA triathlon plan. That's a plan for the, for the sport in our country of which US, USA triathlon is, is at the center of that. Um, so while it is an organizational strategic plan, it's really a strategic plan for the sport. And we brought constituents from all backgrounds, um, all levels of our sport together to help us create that. Um, so I'm excited about you can go, we'll, we'll post that link maybe if Cody's around, can post the link to, to find Elevate 2020, the strategic plan so everyone can check it out and read it. But I'm really proud of it because it isn't us at USA Trothan that created, it is our community that helped us create where we should go in the future. Elevate 2028. What a nice ring to that. I mean, right here on our home soil. Yes, we have an Olympics in between there, but you know, that's okay. We're focused on LA. What can we do as a body of, uh, of athletes, race directors, uh, coaches help to get to the big picture of LA 2028? Yeah, I think that what it does is it gives us a point in time that we can point to and show tangible growth in our sport, tangible success. Um, and so for us, it's really about everybody coming together like they have already. And what we see through the games, it's like many things. It, it, it puts a, mi a microscope on our, on our sport and people really look at it that wouldn't normally be exposed to it uh, before. And, and this is uh, a stat that I just looked up uh, the other day as I knew we were gonna be talking that in 2021, we had a, over 100,000 new triathletes in one year. Um, of course, we knew that people were gonna be getting off the couches, riding bikes, doing all those things. And we really had to attract them to our sport. So we focused 2021 on local racing, uh, getting people into our sport, giving them uh, resources when they get into our sport. But really what we felt like was one of the big reasons for that was the games. Uh, it really highlighted um, the sport, showed a different aspect of it with mixed relay and more short course racing. Um, and then there's other aspects like Super League Triathlon, who's really put together a, a, a dynamic uh, racing format, professional triathletes organization that's invested a ton of money into the broadcast of the sport and into our professional professionals. And then of course, Ironman and Clash and many of the other great race producers and event producers. Um, but it really gives us a point in time that we can all look to to help grow the sport. There's going to be a lot of money invested in the Olympics and Paralympics in our country. And I want our sport to be at the front of that. Um, I want our sport to be the one that reaps the rewards of that. And, and I'm, I'm confident we're going to be able to do that. I am confident in that as well. And you mentioned some key things about your strategic plan for 20, uh, for the next few years with DEI. But before we go there, what are your top priorities for 2022? Yeah, so it, right at the top um, is is we is really serving um, our race directors, our clubs, our coaches, our constituents. That's the number one thing, and I'd say that my top priority. And I know that um, we have lots of constituents on here. Is really focused on on making sure our race directors are are successful. Um, our sport started as a grassroots sport. It started because race directors put on races, and athletes wanted to compete and see how they could really challenge themselves and others, and see who is the best swim swimmer, biker, runner, and all the combination of all three. So our sport has always grown from the ground up. And so what our number one focus is, is making sure that our community is successful, because if they're successful, our sport's successful. And so that's number one, is that we only have 10 priorities as an organization. It's pretty simple. I like to keep things simple on an annual basis. Um, the biggest hit we saw last year, uh, or 2020, was youth, and really 2020 and 21. And so a big focus is on, on bringing youth back, and we're already, we're already seeing that happening right now. We've uh, we created a youth stimulus program that I want to make sure everybody's aware of where we do free sanctioning for clinics, free sanctioning for youth uh, events. Um, we're, we're giving out thousands of free youth memberships, um, uh, thousands. So if you know kids that need them, we will offer them. No, uh, no underrepresented, underserved communities, um, lower socioeconomic uh, children. We want everybody to be able to raise. And what we've seen already is that um, we're up 80% year over year on youth uh, uh, 
events and clinics being sanctioned. We've doubled our youth membership in only the first few months of the year. Um, so really seeing that that's, that's working for us. And, and again, we're only getting started because you know, we're at hand, we're going to grow the splash and dash significantly. We're, we're in 50 locations this year. We have an investment partner that's going to invest in a huge growth in that in 2023. Um, so we're really focused on, on youth. And for when it comes to um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access, it's, it, we spent the last four years focused on trying to really change the, the face of our sport and, and leadership positions in particular with our board of directors. We have our first two African-American board of directors in our history of our sport are serving right now. We have a very strong leader in our country and around the world, a Hispanic uh, female in, on our board who's a race director who also serves on the executive board of World Triathlon. Um, we have two elite paratriathletes on our board. We have a very diverse board and it starts at the top when it, when it comes to making sure the decisions, the strategy, the vision, the direction of the organizations head in the right place and you need those diverse viewpoints in the room to make those decisions and so what we're really focused on now is is pivoting to looking really at our staff um, our staff um, is we have an incredibly diverse staff but we've really had a challenge in our sport and in our staff to attract people of color so while we've been able to attract other demographics and, and diverse people it's really a focus of ours uh, this year and that's one of our priorities for for 2022 is to diversify our staff and volunteer leaders in our community. And so what we did is we ended up hiring uh, Dr. Gold, who um, came in and did an assessment of our organization. And she uh, trained our staff uh, on, on bias and, all, and helped us put together training manuals and hiring practices and recruiting practices, um, mentoring of, of, uh, and really trying to create an, an inclusive environment here where we can attract a, a diverse staff. And so that's something that's a big priority for us, but we're already, a lot of our priorities for this year, we got underway at the end of last year. Um, and we're really seeing that, again, that I'll probably talk about many other priorities here, but some of the main ones are um, serving our community, getting uh, youth back and, and making sure that our, our staff and our leaders in our community represent the face of America and who we aspire to be as a sport going forward. Phew, Rocky, <laughs> take a breath. You know, you know, I can't though. You know, I love this stuff. So I just go all in <laughs> <No>. on it. <laughs> I'll have a wow. sip of coffee. How about that? That that works for me because I'm like, whoa, my brain was moving so fast. And I was like, okay, you're answering so many of the questions that I had. That oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're fine. I can expand on anything. So I know it's no, a conversation, but no, you're fine. Yeah. I think it's great because you're, you're you're in line with the questions that I had, which probably are some of the questions that our viewers are um have questions about. So with youth, I think it's so awesome that you guys are offering free memberships, offering free sanctioned events, and really putting, because youth are our future. If we don't get the youth involved, then we can pretty much say goodbye to this beautiful sport that so many of us love and cherish. And I think that you guys focusing on youth is such a key point. And I just want to say kudos to you. So we definitely can talk about the youth forever, but we're going to keep going. And with the DEI efforts, I love that you guys hired Dr. Gold to kind of come in and do a nice infrastructure revamp, you know, because it's true. We do need to see a more colorful version of our world in our organizations. And with that in mind, I wanted to kind of segue to race directors because race directors, they're the reason why we get to do what we do. So how are you empowering and educating race directors to do more to, pr to promote inclusivity in their races. Yeah, one thing that uh, to give credit where credit is due is that most many of our race directors, coaches and clubs across our country have created an incredibly inclusive environment and welcoming environment. It's one of the things that I love most about our sport and I did from the beginning when I went in transition, it didn't matter how old you were, where you came from, everyone is willing to help everybody. And I think that that makes our sport really special. And while it's an inclusive sport in many ways and welcoming, it's, it's still not a diverse sport. And so there's a difference there in terms of the way that our sport looks, the demographics of our sport. And so I think that that's really where we're, we're focused is of course we need to improve the uh, inclusivity, making people feel very welcome because you know if you bring to 
diverse people to the table and people don't feel welcome, they're not going to stay. And so that's for us, it's about uh, increasing diversity in the sport uh, as a whole. And what we've done over the last uh, really three or four years is, is made a concerted effort of this is this was not like just a pivot in 2020, like many organizations, we were knee deep in this. This is a core value of ours, a belief of ours as an organization of the board. And so, you know, back in 2018, we invested in bringing historically black college and universities to be NCAA triathlon programs. So the investment was there, the time was there. Um, and what we found is that we, that was a really good moment, but it was a moment and it was something that we can really rally behind. We built grassroots programs around it. But to us, it's more about training and helping our community, educating our community, getting experts, not us, but experts to come in and educate our community, share best practices across the country and see what works. So we created a, a Together We Thrive Diversity, Equity, equity uh, and Access uh, Summit that now we're in our third year. It's totally free. I would really recommend that anyone on this, it's in November each year, sign up for it. You'll, I take so much away from it. I learned so much. Again, it's not USA Triathlon speaking to everybody and telling them what we think. It's experts and people in the grassroots communities coming out and saying what actually works, what they've seen work and give tangible, actionable uh, outcomes that we can all uh, take to our communities and activate them. Um, we also did a, a, a summit for a students, a student summit where we have brought in students from all backgrounds, um, tribal nations, uh, historically black college universities, all backgrounds to really expose them to our sport, expose them to working in our sport and expose them to work in the Olympic and Paralympic movement. And what we've heard from, from our peers around uh, the Olympic and Paralympic movement is like, oh my gosh, how do we get involved with that? So this year we, we started now, then we're talking to different sports and getting a lot of them involved. And we had a handful of sports involved in the last one. Um, the next thing that we're really doing is um, we're creating a diversity, equity, inclusion, and access certification. And it'll be something that we're going to work on this year. We're bringing experts in right now. We've already done a lot of work on this, but it's really going to be something that we gift to our community so we can, again, take best practice from our community, really learn about bias and all the things that we can do to, to change um, this in our sport. So that's something I'm really thrilled about is when we, we create a, a certification like that, I hope that people wear that with a badge of honor and that people actually look for clubs, coaches, race directors who've gone through that certification. Um, so those are just some of the steps we're doing to try to, to try to help our community. And maybe and what I found with our community, it's not a, a lack of wanting to at all. Uh, it's just a lack of knowledge and it's a lack, a lack of information, a lack of exposure. So that's what we're here to do is not to tell people how to run their businesses is to expose them of this opportunity, which is really to me when, you know, when your sport doesn't represent the America, it, your sport won't will not grow at the levels it needs to. It, it, when 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 your sport looks like uh, Americans, everyday Americans, all body types, all looks, that's when that's when your sport becomes mainstream. And while I love our sport, we have a huge sport. We're the biggest multi-sport organization in the world. We're very small up to where my vision and our vision is for growing the sport and where we want to take it. Um, but diversity is really, to me, at, at the core of that. If we don't have a diverse community, um, it's really hard for us to go out and say that we are a true American sport that everybody should follow. So I have to say that you guys have an amazing DEIA manager on deck, Megan Rich, hashtag dollar sign Megan Rich. Yes. <laughs> um, we have her coming up actually on the podcast next week, and we had a chance to kind of break down some of these things. And I do have a little bit of a bias, even though we shouldn't, especially when it comes to HBCUs. We got to figure out a way to get Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University in the triathlon space because mm -hmm. they have the perfect weather to get that. So I'm going to help you work on them, but I'm so grateful for like Hampton University. And mm -hmm. are there any other HBCUs that have kind of gravitated towards your ass to say, yes, we want to be on? Yeah, um, Del Delaware State has, and we're also right now working with another HBCU. So we have really there's uh, for us, it's a pipeline now. It's actually they're coming to us. Uh, and that's what I find through when you when you work with underrepresented communities, once you show that you're committed to a community, it's it's still a lot of hard work because you got to prove it every day. Um, but I think what we've done, been able to do with HBCUs in particular is show that we're willing to invest the time, effort to make them successful, not just to make, say that there's an HBCU, but we're doing everything we can to make them successful. And I'm really 
really happy you pointed out Megan Rich because when I got here, she was a customer service coordinator. Um, and I just saw this passion in her for, for developing, you know, an equal and equitable sport. And this was something that, that went back years. So again, 2019, I think we made her the DEI manager. Um, now she's senior manager. She's been promoted since, but she's somebody that I go to on a daily basis to say, hey, look, are we doing this right? So right now, the way that we've really changed our organization is we use diversity, equity, inclusion, and access as a filter for all of our decision-making. So as we're making decisions, how does this impact that uh, really big guiding principle of ours. And Megan's really my right hand when it comes to that. I go directly to her and, and, and good thing is she, I don't bother her too much, um, but she has, she has a really good way of looking into it and actually getting the facts, like not just saying what she thinks, but actually going and digging really deep in, in, into it, which has really helped us as an organization. It's guided us in a lot of ways. Looks like I need to put some respect on Megan's title. I said, you know, manager, but she's senior manager. so. Yeah. Well, she's not, she's not someone to brag, you know, she's not. <laughs> well, it, since we're in the same vein of growth, let's talk about growing the sport now. Local races matter so much, and I love local races. How do we continue to work to grow the local races? Yeah, yeah and you're right. And I mentioned earlier that, you know, our sport is uh, a grassroots sport. That's where it started. It started because, and our organization started because race directors came together and said, we have to work together and collaborate. So that's how USA Triathlon, which was, you know, three different names uh, before USA Triathlon came together. So we know that we know our history and we know what makes our sport work and our, what makes our sport work is local racing. Um, and so as, as a organization, that's, that's our focus. That's what we wake up every day trying to do. And we've really, over the last three or four years, again, had to shift our strategy with the pandemic and our approach to this. But we're back and we're firing on, on all cylinders right now. And, um, you know, the pandemic also showed all of us how important racing is to the ecosystem that we, that we all live in, from the retailers to sponsors to coaches to clubs. Um, it really drives everything. I know for me, uh, it was hard for me. I probably, I think I ran 500 less miles in, in 2020, even though, it, it, you know, I did a lot of running. I did some long distance races, but it, I was it was just a lot to take because I, I, I am not somebody who just trains the race, but it is a motivator for me. It's for me to do that one extra long run a week or whatever it is. And so I saw personally how it impacted me as a person, my, my mental health, my happiness. It just wasn't the same without those local races out there that I could compete in. And so, um, you know, as I look forward, what we're doing now is our, as we looked at 2020, like I said, it was bringing it returning to racing 2021 was about we created a campaign local racing it's all about local racing and we're going to move that forward but now we're putting our entire marketing machine behind local races we're investing all of our marketing dollars into promoting local races um we're, we're uh we've done really cool things like we um we created a race guide we used to do this years ago like 10 15 years ago we had a race guide in our magazine and i heard from race directors that was one of the coolest things you did so we did it again and we're going to continue to do it um we created 50 state championships the first time that every state has a state championship to really elevate those local races and they're not you know not always the biggest race but they're local races and that's something that we we you know so we're really looking at how do we drive value we're we're going to announce in a week or two a, a big partnership with TriFine, the biggest race calendar in the world, um, where sanctioned races are going to be elevated to the top and, and really in our in our certified in phase two will be certified coaches and certified clubs will be really elevated and promoted in a big way. So we just created and launched a new events calendar. So we're really trying to our focus going forward is the value that we provide to our entire community, in particular race directors. We have a focus on that, a focus on our coaches and a focus on driving clubs. Um, and so if we have those things, those three things really working, our sport is going to thrive. Um, and I saw again with clubs during the pandemic, how many of them got dismantled during the pandemic because we had to get to come together virtually. And it just wasn't the same. I think that the, the biggest impact uh, from an infrastructure standpoint was that our clubs really got hurt during the pandemic. So if you're out there, join a club. Um, please join a club, sign up for a local race and, and hire a certified coach. Um, those are the things that we're pushing to everybody in our community, our members and everybody. Those three messages is what we're going to stand behind. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that those three areas thrive. 
I think you hit on so many amazing topics, especially as it relates to the dismantling of organizations. The dismantling of organizations because of the pandemic and because the focus is now race local, I think that will help to re-energize and revive, you know, the local community to want to engage more with certain clubs and build back up that community again, because the triathlon community is a community that no one stands against it because it's so strong and so powerful. And so I love the fact that we're growing and moving into a direction where we're focusing on the local community and focusing on the people who are going to make this sport grow. Well, I hear there's some news about, you know, this is a part of the growth yet diversity. Celebrating Clydesdale and Athena athletes. I guess I'm really excited about this one, and the diversity of body types that make our sport and community so great and welcoming. There's a new initiative with that. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I would say that overall that, you know, the, the Clydesdale and Athena category, for those of you who don't know, it's, you know, people that are, are larger. And I come from a family of very large people. My dad uh, was an offensive lineman in college. Um, my And I, I didn't take after him, obviously. But so, what, what I loved about our sport when I joined is that we created a competitive atmosphere for everybody, regardless of your age. If you're 70 year old, year old, you're trying to win your age group. So we broke it down by age group. Of course, we broke it down by gender. And what I love about uh, the Clydesdale and Athena category is that for us, it, it's it's a way to celebrate uh, different body types. Uh, representation matters in our sport. So if you look at our imagery over the last handful of years, we're not just a skinny white guy on a $5,000 bike. It's actually, we're trying to show not only who, what our sport is, but what we aspire to be as a sport. And that means again, all body types, all, all looks and everything. But one thing that we we're doing is we're putting uh, the Clydesdale Athena National Championship, instead of it being somewhat of an afterthought, where it's over on the side, maybe attached to a local race, which is great. We're, we're gonna bring it back and have it a part of age group nationals, which is the largest race right now in America with over 6,000 athletes, and really make sure that we're exposing the Clydesdale Athena athletes that we're we're putting them in the biggest event, making sure that we're celebrating them at the highest levels in front of six, 7,000 of their peers. And so that's really one step we're taking. And I know that um, when you try to elevate something and promote it, it's not just for the people competing in it. It's for the people we want to attract to our sport. Because part of our overall, my vision for the sport and why I love this and why I love what I do is it's about making America healthier are um, you out in your communities, no matter what you look like, you can do a triathlon. And when you do a triathlon, you have to train for it. Even if you're walking around, I know my mom um, did a triathlon and uh, she had two knee replacements and she had to walk the 5k, but she's a triathlete. Right. And so that's, that's what we wanted to get to is that, that, um, and I really believe that Clyde Zellman Athena is showing larger body athletes competing at the highest level as fast as most of the little tiny people running around and giving that respect and elevating is something that's really important for again changing the face of our sport hashtag i'm with it hashtag elevate 2028 see it's all a part of that elevation you know i love the fact that we're doing this so that is so great okay so we're building a connection we're growing the sport how do we build the connection between age group athletes and elite athletes, both in short course and long course racing? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, another thing that attracted me to this sport is that, and I think it's just so cool that we get to compete on the same course as, as the pros and elites, us regular age group people like me. And it's really that that creates this natural connection and that, that other sports don't have. I mean, could you imagine, I worked in the NFL a long time, if a bunch of middle-aged men and women were playing on in an NFL stadium on a Sunday, like that just doesn't happen, right? So that's what makes our sport special. And while that's special, we have not done a good job as a sport creating fans, making it a spectator sport. Um, so I'm really excited, as I mentioned earlier, I know that Ironman really built up the media in our sport and, and their uh, feature of Kona is what really helped grow our sport over the last 30 years. Um, and, and now we're seeing, again, professional triathletes organization invest a ridiculous amount of money into improving the broadcast. And really their vision is to make 
uh, professional triathlete stars. And when there are stars in a sport, it brings more fans. It makes more people excited. That's their vision. And they're investing, again, a lot of money into making that happen into exposing it to the world by investing in broadcast and technology. Um, and so what we're seeing right now is there's this connection, this natural connection. But in order to solidify it, we really need to create stars in our sport. And we, the, way, the best way to do that is through a media product. And when we have spectators in our sport, I, we're always going to be a participant first sport. That's what our about. All, we're always going to focus on that. But once we become a spectator in fan sport, the growth trajectory for clubs, coaches, race directors, and everyone, it's going to be it's going to be a hockey stick. It's going to go straight up. And we just right now we're at this point, which is really fun, fun to be a part of. It's this turning point for us. It's this pivotal moment where and a lot of money is being invested in tech. A lot of money is being invested in media, and we're going to see that the sport change and evolve over time hopefully to bring more fans in and when you're a fan of a sport you're predisposed to compete in it and when you're predisposed to compete in it we have more athletes in our sport to coach and to race and that's what we, that's what our goal is so i'm really happy with where our sport is three years ago we had no money being invested in media and now we do and, and so it's uh, to me this is a, a big moment for us in our sport especially as we lead into 2028 come on stars is where it's at we need the stars you know it's 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 kind of like that saying of representation matters. When we see stars and when we see people that we can identify with, we want to be like them and we want to emulate them. And so I guess what I'm saying to those who are listening right now, let's help to elevate the profiles of our professional athletes. Let's help to elevate the profiles of our local athletes and let's highlight them even on the local level at races, you know, putting them out there on the social media campaign saying such and such will be here to race. I'm gonna use my name. Mashonda Miles will be here to race with you today. And, or, you know, she's representing the Athena age group athletes or Rocky Harris has come to the East Coast. He's representing with Kinetic Multisports and he's racing his Olympic sport and he's doing it. Like that is a great way to energize the sport. And it gets people excited because they know they can race alongside these athletes. We do have a question that came in and it's going back to the diversity piece. Mm -hmm. And they, someone wants to know and I think this is so important. What is the stance on transgender athletes? Yeah, so you know our stance, and we're one of the first governing bodies to create a policy for transgender athletes, um, is to be really inclusive, especially among the age groupers. Um, we have run into um, many challenges in different states where they've uh, put restrictive laws in place. So we created sport as a human rights campaign and really helping people in our community, which we represent people of all backgrounds and we represent them all. And, and so for us, it's, it's about making sure our sport's inclusive. Um, at the international level, it's about being inclusive and fair, competitively fair. And so that's really when it comes to the international level, we are looking at guidance from the IOC, from the IPC, from World Triathlon, from the USOPC, to because quite frankly, they make the rules at that level. Um, and, and so we have to be, be able to make it so we can make sure that we're set up in a way that we, when a, that you become an elite athlete or a junior elite, that you're by, abiding by similar rules that they have to deal with at the international level. Um, but for us as a sport, um, the, the last thing we want to do is put restrictions on people who want to compete in our race and compete who they, with who they are. And, and we're not, and we recently have really focused a lot on engaging with the transgender community. And what we found is that there, we have a huge community that's in our sport and that we have to do everything we can to protect and represent them. Thank you for that. And, uh, I think you guys are doing a great job, but there was a lot of initials in there. IOC, IPC, I was going to say something else that was going to be inappropriate, but can you explain, like break down those initiatives, you know, those initials just so people can understand. Yeah, the International Olympic Committee, the International Paralympic Committee, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, and World Triathlon. And so those are uh, the way that we are. And I think I've, I've talked to you about this before, Mashanda, but, you know, we, we work with two different entities specifically. One is the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee because they oversee the sport in our, uh, they oversee sport in our country. And as the, the, we're the national governing body that oversees triathlon. So we're one of their 55 national governing bodies. But we also serve another group, which is World Triathlon. And they have about 170 or so countries that, 
that they represent. And so we are the representative of sport in America at the international level as well. So I know all, all the acronyms can be very confusing. I usually slow down. Actually, my our former president, Jacqueline McCook, said, always said no acronyms. And I and I sometimes I forget that now that now that I've had another uh, chair in the position for a few years. <laughs> You're a rat. I'm going to say, slow down, Rocky. Oh, you Let know us me. Catch I'm just going. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. But we also got to think about, you know, we're talking to the audience as beginners, but today yeah. the audience is really special because we have race directors, we have coaches, we have medical professionals, we have athletes and friends alike. So we want to make sure that everyone just understands and we're all on the same playing field so that people can be able to really engage a little bit. So I love what you mentioned when you mentioned about Super League. How do we make short course racing cool again and dispel the notion that you're not a true athlete unless you do long course racing? Yeah, and I, I'll dispel one myth overall is that, you know, that there are only 10% of our races are longer than Olympic distance in our country. Think about that, only 10%. So the vast, not only the majority, 90% are, are, are not long distance. And so there's a myth buster right there that I think most people would say it's only long distance and, and, and everything else. Maybe not people in the sport, but people outside of it would think that. And so for us, it's, and, and I saw this firsthand because I, I did more mid and long distance stuff before I took the job here. And um, I went to my first uh, World Cup event and I was, it was a sprint and I was blown away. Uh, the elites at the end of it, like collapsed. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? When I do sprints, it's kind of like a warm up for my 70.3 or whatever it is, right? And it gave me a newfound respect and it allowed me to look at the sport differently. I, I used to look at it as short, less than kind of a warm up for my big race. Let me, you know, knock off the cobwebs that it gave me this newfound respect. It's not, it's actually just as hard. It's just as competitive, if not more. And it's about speed and fastness and going full throttle the entire time. You're net, you're not eating a sandwich in transition like you are at an Ironman. You are, you know, so now I actually mostly do sprints. I still do the mid distance stuff, but I mostly do sprints because I love it. I love rushing through transition in less than 30 seconds. I love just the entire time, just pushing the Watts to the maximum. To me, it's a different sport within our sport. And it's actually the majority of our sport. But it, it, it's, it helps at all levels, right? So sprint, super sprints are very popular right now, which is even shorter than a sprint. And that's really going to attract the younger generation. So there is a perception issue, though, as we've talked about for years in our sport. It's, you know, long distance or bust. You know, when you say I do a triathlon and they say what and what kind and you say sprint, they're like, oh, just a sprint. There's nothing that bothers me more than that. And so I think we as a community have to break that from our vernacular. We have to decide that we are going to focus on your triathlon no matter what distance you do. Because as I've said many times, the younger generation wants short. They want short and fast. They want to do something that they can do with all their friends, not just with a few crazy ones like me. Uh, and so we're, we're really, we and we did a brand repositioning campaign over the last few years that we call Power Within that focused on breaking that perception that, show, that showing our members of our community who are do you know all, all different looks again body types everything and they're doing triathlons to expose beginners to the sport to let them know that you can be a triathlete if you do a 350 yard swim um you know a, a, a five mile bike and a one mile run you're still a triathlete and i think that that's what again it, it starts with us in our sport we have to stop saying it's just a sprint we have to say, incredible, congratulations, you're a triathlete. You would never say you just did a 10K, right? You would say, oh, that's great, you did a 10K. Um, a sprint triathlon is, is, is much more hard to train for than a 10K, but we don't give it as much respect. And I think we need to change that. And it starts with us. Again, put some respect on our sport. If you're a sprint triathlete, Olympic, mid-distance or long distance, it all matters. So for those of you, I just want to reiterate, you are a triathlete. Whenever you cross that finish line, it doesn't matter the distance. Quick story. I um, met someone just recently as I was teaching spin and she was like, oh, I want to do a triathlon, but I don't think I can do it because um, I haven't done the long course. And I just said, if you do not stop, you are a triathlete and we can help you train. It doesn't matter whatever you do a super sprint or long course. And anything in between, when you cross that finish line, you are a triathlete. So 
I'm glad that we got that out the way because I was going to go somewhere deeper, but I remember this is the state of the sport address and this is a special edition. So let me get back in my lane. Whew. With that said, we have a, another question coming in from the audience that I think is really cool. And we're going back to youth because we're still talking about growth. How can USAT put together a meaningful strategy through implementation to bring triathlon to inner city and underserved community. I think you hit on that a little bit, but is there a particular uh, plan in place or strategy in place for that? Yeah, and we're right now we're working with uh, philanthropic donors to help invest in this for us because it is a long-term strategy. And let me start really where the gaps are. Um, you know, one of the gaps is the infrastructure doesn't exist for youth in our sport in particular. We don't like swim clubs that my kids are a part of. Some of them have multi-sport clubs that we need all 3,000 youth swimming clubs in America to be multi-sport clubs too. <clears throat> so that there, the, this first step is there just isn't the infrastructure and that's why our sport got dismantled our, uh, during, in 2020 and 2021 for, for youth in particular. And so when it comes to uh, inner cities, which, which I grew up in an inner city environment, I know how hard it is to, to you know, get into that community. It's about actually spending time in the community at the local level. And what we have plans to do, but it's going to take, again, a lot of investment, which we're focused on garnering right now, is really starting in the school system. And, and educating and teaching kids about, again, getting off the, the, the iPads and the iPhones and getting outside and enjoying your environment by doing what, uh, what every kid loves doing anyways, which is swimming, uh, biking, and running. And, and what we have is because of the his, his, historic issues in our country, especially in inner cities, swimming is the biggest barrier to our sport. And so we, we wanna create school programs that are, that are really focused on the local clubs, local triathlon clubs, helping us run those school programs, helping get kids and work in partnership with USA Swimming to get kids exposed to the water. And every kid that goes through a USA Swimming program needs to immediately graduate into a multi-sport program. So we're really, we're really for us, it's about getting at the grassroots level. So we're creating a pilot program um, going into next year. It's gonna be a grassroots city by clubs, race directors, and coaches coming together around school systems and being able to um, grow it that way. Because what I found when I went to an inner city high school, we weren't going, we, ours, our high school and our neighborhood. And that was all we were exposed to other than like what we watched on TV. So we really can't go anywhere else, but where people are <clears throat> and people, <clears throat> people aren't going to come to you. You have to go to them. And that can't be USA triathlon in Colorado Springs. We don't have the bandwidth. We have like 55 employees. It has to be our community, but we have to arm them with the tools to do that. And we have to invest in it. And my goal is to get, you know, every, every kid in America, um, especially uh, in urban and inner city communities exposed to our sport exposure is number one. And then given the resources to activate that exposure and excitement around our sport. Um, and so that's why our foundation, USA Triathlon Foundation, we've secured, I think, seven or eight um, six-figure-plus gifts in the last six months, and almost all of it's focused on youth and growing youth. And so we're going to continue to see this part of our sport grow, um, but it's really going to take all of us. And I would say to start with, we have we have, you know, nearly a thousand people on this call. Um, we, uh, many of you are coaches, uh, club leaders. Um, start a clinic. Start a clinic, and that's how we get this thing started. Go to your your inner city elementary school. Get kid like do a free clinic there. Help them um, learn the sport, expose them to sport, and we'll do anything we can to help make sure that you have the ability to do that. I love that you said two E's and it kind of reminded me of like endurance exchange to E2, exposure and excitement. I love that. Coaches, I understood and found the value of coaching a few years ago, but what are we going to do to help grow the vision for USA Triathlon Coaching Education? Yeah, um, and my uh, the, many of our coaches who I'm close with know this about me. My dad's uh, a coach, uh, and so I grew up in a, a family that we talked sport mostly, and mostly my dad's teams, and he was a track coach, a football coach. So I spent most of my life understanding the challenges he faced as a coach because it was mostly bureaucracy, administrators, and all these other issues that held him back in his many when he was very successful as a coach. Um, so it, it holds a close place in my heart is, is our coaching community. And so what we've done really well with our coaches, we have a good core curriculum of like teaching them, you know, we have great experts that come in and, and teach our coaches about how to 
make athletes better. The next step for us, and we brought in Earl Walton from Ironman to run our education program here, is about uh, helping with the business of coaching, helping them expand their businesses, because the better they operate their business, the better they can serve their athletes. And the, uh, quite frankly, the better they can, they can be as a business and the more they can thrive, even in tough times, like through a pandemic. Um, but we also want to provide diverse offerings for, for our coaching community so they can learn not just about coaching, not just about business, but we want to be able to offer not just coaches, but um, education to our race directors, education to our athletes. Um, and what, what, what I want to do is hope, hopefully USA Triathlon will become the resource leader in all of sports. So we're providing the resources that help all of you become better at your jobs. But we're also promoting, as I mentioned earlier, for us, it's I saw firsthand the value of hiring a coach. I saw everything my in terms of efficiency in planning, uh, time management, and my uh, my you know everything improved. Every swim, bike, run, all of them improved after I hired a coach. So we're going to promote the value of hiring a coach. It's going to be one of our main messages to our members this year. We're going to, as part of our drip campaign, when someone signs up for a new membership, we're going to give them resources to find a local race to hire a coach to help you through your journey and to join a local club. And, and those are the things that, so we're actually just launched a new find a coach function on our website where coaches can create these really cool profiles. They can talk about themselves. You can actually, as an athlete, go in and say, well, I'm a beginner. I, you know, I don't know. And, and there are coaches who specialize with beginners. And so that's what we're doing is we're going to promote our coaches and our certified coaches. We're going to really elevate them in the sport. They're going to be seeing what they are, the best of the best. And we really need to improve the brand of our certified coaches. So it's not just about improving the content, which we're focused on, adding resources that are relevant. It's also about promoting the value of hiring a coach and what it can do for you as an athlete. Okay, drip. You guys got a drip campaign? <laughs> okay. See, I, I pick up on the wrong thing. See, I'm all off here. But I love no, it. I love it. The value of coaching. I couldn't agree more with that statement. Get a coach, even if you're part of a organization in a group. Coaching will definitely take your skills to the next level. It will make you more efficient. All those things that Rocky said, I'm just co-signing. Do it. So find a coach, go on USA Triathlon's website, find a coach function and pick a coach that's good for you. With that said, let's move on to the value of USA Triathlon and how does it create value? So when you think about USA Triathlon, youth, women, and beginner at beginner triathletes, what are we doing to get them interested into sport? Yeah, so you know, with youth, I, I talked uh, probably at length and maybe a nauseum for some people about what we're doing there because it is a passion point for me. I have three daughters. And I see how important sport is and activity is in their lives. And when specifically my oldest who loves triathlon, all three of my girls do, um, it, when it was taken away from them, they didn't know how to get, even though I'm the CEO of USA Triathlon, I could tell them, but they didn't quite know how to get back into the community. And so for us, it's about making those connections and reconnecting with the kids who are part of our sport. Um, that when it comes to, to women, and, and, and this is an area that I'd say I'm, I'm really proud of, of our sport. This is, pre, this is 30, 40 years deep, is that we started our sport on equal footing, equal distances, equal prize money. Um, we didn't treat women as less than like running did and other sports did, where they didn't think they could, women could even run marathons in the 70s, right? And so that's something that's special and why I think that we're naturally, like even though we're not at 50% female participation which is what we should be at, we're at 40%, which many other sports would kill for. And as the distances go longer, there are less females than males. Um, and so what we're seeing is in the shorter distance, it's, it's nearing the 50%. Um, but again, it starts with leadership in our sport. Like I talked about our board, when I got to USA Triathlon, I've said this so many times because it's so shocking to me. We never in the history of our organization had a female executive. Like let that sink in. It was only males that were in executive roles at USA Triathlon for like 40 years. So and right now I have three of my direct reports out of my six. So half of them are females. Um, our, our females are really um, leading the organization's business overall. And, and, our, and, and what I'm seeing is, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's not anything novel. I mean, it's like, this is pretty basic stuff. But what it's done is, again, it, it allows us to make different decisions and better decisions. And some fun facts that, um, as I like to pull out some data points occasionally, is that more than half of our L1 certified coaches are females, more than half. 
Um, almost half, 47% of our L1 certified race directors are female. So there are leaders across our sport. We actually, seven uh, women, uh, American US women, were nominated for world triathlon positions at the executive level, either in committees or the board. And we have seven women serving, which is the most of any country. So we have, right now we have this leader, that's what our focus was, is building leaders of sport. When you have leaders, when you can go to a coach, you can go to a club, you can feel comfortable going to a race, that changes the face of the sport. And so for, uh, one thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention is something that we should all be celebrating. This isn't just about triathlon. It's about women's sports in America. It's the 50th anniversary of Title IX. And if you don't know that, then you've been, you've been hiding under a rock. Um, but for me, again, I have a dad with three daughters. It's, it's a law that allows women to have equal opportunity to access. And we're just announced our 40th NCAA institution triathlon uh, uh, program, which means that in the next two years, we're going to be a fully fledged sanctioned NCAA sport. So our board committed to this before I got here. I was actually at Arizona State as the chief operating officer, and I added women's triathlon there. And that's how this whole connection of me coming to, to be CEO of USA Triathlon started, because I saw the value in it. And what this will do for us for the long term is it creates the infrastructure, again, that's lacking. And we're giving women, young women right now, like my daughter, when she went to the national championship, and she's not going to be able to be an NCAA athlete, but she dreams of that now. That's her dream, right? That's what she aspires to be. And it brings real credibility to our sport. So for us, I think that's one of the things we should celebrate. And, and I was at a conference last week or a couple of weeks ago with executives throughout sport. It was literally the talk of the entire conference with athletic directors, presidents of pro sports teams. They were talking about us reaching 40, which to me just made me so proud of where, where we are as a sport and, and where we're going. Um, but we're doing little things like next year, we're gonna launch a women's race series. We did a gravel tri race series this year. We're gonna do a women's race series. It's gonna be a lot of fun working with our, our local race directors around the country. This isn't about USA Triathlon. It's about activating races that are already in existence and exposing them to the larger community. So with, with you know, when it comes to women, that's, that's uh, we have a lot of focuses, but the, that's an important, uh, many, many of the important uh, aspects that we're looking at. Um, as uh, when it comes to beginners, I know that that's a real focus of your podcast and why I've, I've been a fan of yours from the time you decided you're going to launch this. Um, and as we mentioned, I think you mentioned in my bio is that our goal is to reach 100,000 new triathletes. We locked arms with Ironman in January of 2018, over 100, over 100 race directors, coaches, clubs, retailers in our sport signed on to support that too. And we're seeing real, real growth in our sport. Again, outside of the pandemic here, we've seen growth in our sport. And so for us, we're actually in the next uh, six months or so launching phase two of Time to Try. Um, I've been working closely with, with Andrew Messick uh, at, at Ironman, but we're going to bring the entire sport in on this. It's not just about these two entities. I think, as I mentioned from the beginning when we launched this, the reason why it was important for USA Triathlon and Ironman to come together to say we want to grow the sport is because many people lost the, the trust with USA Triathlon over the years that we were actually there to grow the sport. So our entire organization is focused on growing the sport. And we believe one of the best ways to do that is Again, helping local race directors thrive, helping athletes as they enter the ecosystem, give them the resources they need to be successful. And so uh, that's what time, that's where time to try comes in, is we want to be the resource leader, uh, beginner resources for people who want to swim, bike, or runners, or people who just want to get off their couch. How do I become a tri triathlete? We want to be the ones you come to, and we want to be able to help you through your journey. Thank you. I know your daughter will love me when I say thanks, Dad. So thank you for... <laughs> what you're doing. We have time for two more questions and I don't want to rush past them because I think they're very important, but we also have some other important things we need to handle too. So how is USAT supporting adaptive athletes, paratriathletes, both at the age group and elite levels? Yeah, this is actually, um, I try not to be boastful, but we are the leader of our commitment to adaptive athletes, not only in our country, but around the world. Uh, I serve on the para-advisory uh, committee for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Um, our sport, USA Triathlon, our organization committed to para-triathlon, committed to overseeing para-sport. We're only one of about a dozen national governing bodies that operates and manages our own uh, para-program. Para and there's some things I'm really proud of that we've accomplished, not only the highest medal count in the, Olympic, the Paralympics, which is great, that gives, again, people uh, at the, the grassroots level something to aspire to look up to and to, 
I'm as big of a fan of, of Kendall Gretsch and uh, Alyssa Seeley and Brad Snyder and all of our athletes. Uh, I'm just such a fan of theirs, but it also gives young kids the ability to dream, kids that are adaptive athletes. Um, but we, we've done some really neat things. We actually, three years ago, my high performance general manager came to me and our director of our para program and said, did you know that our, our elite para triathletes aren't paid the same as our elite triathletes? And I was like, what? And so we put together a three-year plan to be able to do that. And we were able to do that because Toyota invested a lot of money in our para program. Um, our foundation and one of the three pillars is, uh, is uh, focused on para triathletes and adaptive athletes. And so we're now paying our elite paratriathletes the same as we're paying our elite triathletes. So we have equality at the highest level. Um, and to me, that's where it, that's where it starts is you got to look at all of the areas where they are, they're treated as less than right now in our sport, if you can believe it, our professionals, they're, they're, elite athletes, elite paratriathletes are don't get paid any prize money, zero prize money, zero. It's, it's, it's to me, it's, it's, it's almost a crime. So what we're doing in our sport and our high performance general manager and our director of pair came up with this concept is we're going to give our athletes uh, an incentive. We're going to give them a prize purse if they do well in, in, in an event. And so we're trying to do everything we can around the world in our country to show uh, to me what adaptive athletes are, which they're phenomenal athletes who happen to have a disability. Um, they're not just inspiring stories. I want to shake everyone of that. I think that, you know, they are, there's in, inspiration there, but it's more than that. They, these are elite level athletes who happen to have a disability. And so, you know, I'm really proud of our partnerships with Challenge Athlete Foundation, Dare to Try, uh, My Team Triumph. There are many others that are working at the grassroots level that we're partnering with to identify talent and develop it. And just last year, we fully integrated our entire high performance program. So there's not this separation between talent identification and development of para and non-para. We're all one now. So we have a talent uh, ID and development team that's focused on bringing paratriathletes and triathletes into our sport and, and, and helping develop them at the highest level. So I'm really excited about what, and actually we're doing something really cool in a few weeks. We're hosting the world's first ever um, para mixed relay. Um, and so, and that's something that, that we've, as America, you know, America, we want our goal, our vision is to make uh, a mixed relay for paratriathlon at the Paralympics in 2028. And so we're hosting the first event right here in America in a few weeks, and we're really excited. There will be some really good footage coming out of that. We will make sure that everyone sees that. Please do. That is so exciting. Well, we've come to that part of our time in the podcast where I get to brag on you a little bit because we're coming to the end. So I just want to highlight some of the things. It's something I've started new since the last time we were on. And um, this is like making me feel good as I'm leaving. If I made any mistakes, it's like, okay. Of course, <laughs> of course. You know, we got to boost you up a little bit and then that. we'll get to our rapid fire oh, because no, you know, oh, that's no. where I get you in trouble. So let's do uh, bragging on Rocky. He formalized and announced USA Triathlon's 2021 through 2023 strategic plan, Elevate 2028. He more than doubled his corporate sponsorship support and philanthropic funds raised through the USA Triathlon Fund Foundation. He created USA Triathlon Safe Return to Multisport Initiative in response to COVID-19, developed the Race Local Compete Nationally campaign to support race directors and local racing. He also uh, USA Triathlon has also been recognized four times by the USA Olympic and Paralympic Committee with three DEI Choice Awards and one Advancing DEI Award. In US, he had a record-hitting 2021 in international competition, and it led to all countries with seven combined Olympic and Paralympic triathlon medals in Tokyo. Um, currently, he has seven U.S. has seven females serving in leadership positions across World Triathlon Executive Board, committees, and tribunal. And he's developed the Transition 3 Elite Career Education and Wellness Program to help elite athletes excel after their athletic careers. So we're going to rapid fire questions. What I need you to do now is the first thing that comes to mind when I say this name or industry. Ready? Okay, let's do it. Race directors. Heart and soul of the sport. Coaches. The master learners, the brains of the sport. Ah, you're getting good. Clubs. Clubs, glue, the ones that keep us together, our community. Officials. 
the ambassadors of the sport. They're the faces of the sport in many ways. Medical. Medical safety, um, making sure that our races are safe. And that's a big priority for us at USA Triathlon and our race directors. Age group athletes. Inspirational. I mean, I'll tell you this, and I know it's a rapid fire. The one thing that, uh, that a lot, when I have a bad day, I get inspired by our age group athletes who are overcoming their own personal stuff to compete and train in our sport. And I get to hear stories every day that are very inspiring. I love it. Volunteers. The people who serve our sport and make it go, because if we don't have volunteers, it, it puts constraints on race directors and others that uh, will make the races more expensive. Okay. Thank you so much, Rocky. But I can't let you go just yet. The last time you came to Try Beginner's Luck, you said that you used to do hip hop dancing. <laughs> so I have a song. Oh, no. I need you to go ahead and stand up. Uh, <laughs> we won't I, do what, so everyone wants to see a middle-aged man dance? Of course. <laughs> All right, let's do it. What am, what am I doing here? I don't know. The song will come on and you figure it out. All right, let me see. Let me get, let me get a camera. Let's just... okay. I was trying not to scream, but this was so great. Thank you, Rodney. Sorry, y'all. Sorry I did that. And I'm sorry you had to see that. And don't, don't show my kids about. that. They'll make, they'll make fun of me for life. That's what it's all about. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much, Rocky, for your time and sharing your vision with us today. Whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win. And hey, listen, if we didn't get to your question, send in your questions to info at endurance We also want you to make sure you take the survey and which can be found on the right of the video on your web browser or on the Endurance Exchange app. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Mashonda Shines, and I'm out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.